Hi there, this is John Frenet, and welcome to an encore presentation of our Legacy Business Spotlight. These are best done in person, and with the current state of emergency restrictions, that's just not possible. So we will be re-releasing our past episodes every Saturday at noon until this pandemic is in our collective rearview mirror. Until then, enjoy this encore presentation of our Legacy Business Spotlight. Some businesses succeed. Some don't. Then there are those that seem to have been around forever. The true entrepreneurial success story. How did they do it? What was their vision? What makes a success? In this special episode for Ion Annapolis, we speak with the true success stories. Those business owners that have been around for decades. Learn from their successes and failures. Now, here's host John Fernay. Hey, we are continuing our Legacy Business Series, and we are not with a business today, but we're with an organization. We're down here at, I would say McNasby's, but at the Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park with Alice Estrada, who's been with us before when we talked about everything that was going on here. But you guys have been around for a long time. You are a staple of Eastport, and... uh, I just wanted to let's just find out what's going on. Thank you. And um, actually, I think it would surprise people to know that the Annapolis Maritime Museum really started as the Eastport uh, Historical Society in 1990. And it started in a little barge house on property. And many of you uh, have seen it if you visited McNasby. Um, And McNasby's, the building that we're in right now, John, is a former oyster packing plant. And I can't tell you how many people come up to me in the community with a McNasby story. Either they know it as the oyster packing plant and um, depository for seafood, or else they knew it as a seafood co-op, or else... They knew it as a restaurant. I don't know if you knew, but John Brock, former owner of Davis Pub, right. used it as a restaurant for a number of years. So there's many, many different wow. evolutions to this museum space um, known I, as McNasby. I, I had no, so this was the Eastport Historic Society. Yes, that's how it all started. And in the year 2000, they decided, you know, we really need to encompass all of Annapolis because obviously maritime um, is, sure. uh, you know, throughout the Annapolis community, not just Eastport. But Eastport was a real hub for maritime with boat building. And and, and, and it still it still certainly is. Yeah, and I it's mean, still very much very maritime focused. I mean, Annapolis is the hub for like T-shirts. Yeah, Eastport's kind of the hub for, for boating. I mean, yes, you, yeah. as I look out your windows, I mean, I'm seeing the uh, you know the J J Yard and Back Creek behind there a little bit, and yeah. uh, all the different marinas, and certainly uh, what's left of our watermen uh, yes. are coming in and out of Eastport as well. We have the Mahoney's over here at Wild Country Seafood. They are a last of a dying. Yeah, breed. don't talk about them, please, okay, because okay. then if more people know about them, that's just no that's no good for those of us that know them. Okay, <laughs> okay just yeah, a, they're <laughs> they get rave reviews on uh, on uh, Yelp, though. They they really do. And if you do yeah. want fresh seafood, you want fresh crabs and you know fresh, literally fresh from the boat, tucked in behind the Annapolis Maritime Museum off of Second Street. There is probably a name for that road, um, but I don't remember what it is. But just before you get to Bayshore, Bayshore, Bayshore. just before you get to the museum, uh, take a right. No, left. Yes. And go to the dead end. And actually, the restaurant that was here in the um, early 2000s was much like that. Late 90s, early 2000s was much like Wild Country Seafood. Um, and again, that was run by, you know, Jess Packler. We were just talking about her. East right. Porter Rockin' was a waitress. Well, what time. was the restaurant called? Um, I'm trying to – they called it McNasby, she said. Okay. And, and so that's why people have different McNasby versions of McNasby stories, but we still – 
That's yeah. and and do you find people still refer to this as McNasby's as opposed to the Annapolis Maritime? Museum? Well, the locals do. The really the the people that grew up here and have known that will still call it McNasby's. We actually have a McNasby branded T-shirt that people absolutely love. It right. sells like crazy. But yeah, the the. A lot of people, if they're like, well, I'm not sure where Annapolis Maritime Museum is, and I'll say, it's the former McNasby's. Oh, yeah. Um, and then they're, they're, they light up. The light goes on. Well, so how did Annapolis Maritime Museum, after the restaurant, after the Historic Society and everything else, come to be a museum? Why why did Eastport need a museum? Well, I think what they discovered when they became the Eastport Historical Committee is that there was a treasure trove of information about our rich history with the maritime focus. You know, Historic Annapolis does a great job with colonial um, Annapolis. Right, they're buildings. But, but we're focused on the water, the working waterfront, and we also expanded to include the ecology of the Chesapeake Bay, which is so important as well. So they just, again, discovered more and more information that was worth capturing. And um, so they evolved in, again, 2000 to all of Annapolis. And they decided they needed more space, which is when they came over and shared the space, uh, the McNasby space with the with the restaurant. Um, and then 2003 came and Hurricane Isabel about wiped everything out. I remember seeing the pictures and the – for those that haven't seen them, go search them out. But, you know, I'm sure you've got them here. But the water the water line of Back Creek was mid-wall. Mid right. Um, uh, absolutely. And our walls were – because it had been a, sort of a restaurant and, you know, the, the equipment broke through the walls. Um, the docks floated away. So it was pretty annihilated. That was, uh, I remember walking out the morning after Isabel blew through here and seeing boats on our community dock free floating above the docks. You couldn't see the docks anywhere. You couldn't see the pilings, but there were, the boats were floating up and the lines coming off of them were just so taut going down to the cleats. And it was just the most surreal thing in the world. It almost looked like they were, you know, floating above wherever they should have been. And that was a, um, that was a devastating blow to the area for sure. It was. It was, um, and of course, devastating to the museum. But the whole community um, had taken a, a very large hit. But we had some boats we lost as well um, that are now on the hard in the side yard um, okay. as exhibits because they were they were battered and beaten. Well, how did you come back from all that? Um, well, th- this, to be fair, was before my time, but really, you know, it would have been devastating. because you're 22, and that oh, was, that was, that right. was like 12 yeah. years ago. So <laughs> I was only in first grade. Um, they really galvanized. It was a great community effort. There was a woman by the name of Peg Wallace who really started the museum, and she was a pistol. I mean, and she really said, this is a blessing, not a curse. And she got the community together. They raised a lot of money. Um, they got some grants. They got some support from the city because, of course, the city owned the property at the time. Um, and the museum was merely leasing it. And together, they rebuilt it as we know it today, as the museum we know it today. And, um, John, you're well aware that we use this building pretty much 365 days a year. Sure. If it's not open as a museum and an exhibit, it's serving an education program. Um, it might play host to a wedding. And it will obviously we enjoy the uh, the property for our summer concerts and also for winter lectures. So just a myriad of uses. Well, it sounds like uh, Peg Wallace was the St. Clair Wright of the water 
water set over here. The I guess the glue that and she, the- she was, and, and you know, I I've listened to an oral history. Peg passed, um, you know, not long after the museum reopened, um, but she I listened to, which is something else we do. I think it's so important to do oral histories, and these these mm-hmm. podcasts that you do are sort of oral histories. Yeah, you know? I guess so. To uh, a they point. really are, um, and so they. Um, but she she explained her passion, and it it really just took over. But what her best ability was, was that she got other people not only to help get involved, but write checks. I mean, she got a lot the community to, to write some checks to pay for the renovation and restoration of this building, which is such a landmark in Annapolis. It, it really is. And, and writing the checks, uh, this is certainly not an appeal, but I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're a small museum on the banks of Back Creek or whether you are a, a giant art museum, we'll, we'll use the Philadelphia Museum of Art on the banks of the Schuylkill River that's been around for hundreds of years. You, they, they don't move without checks. That's right. That's right. And there, you know, obviously our museum's free, so we're not making, um, you know, revenue off our admissions. Right. Um, we do want to provide the opportunity for people to learn about Annapolis's local history, which obviously appeals to local, but also appeals to visitors. This is, they're very, very interested in some of the local color and stories. It's kind of interesting how the the mindset of visitors to any destination has sort of really changed. And it used to be, let's go, let's look at the predetermined tourist sites, yeah. eat in the predetermined tourist restaurants, and get the T-shirt and go home and talk about what a great time we had. And it doesn't matter whether you were going to Cancun or Annapolis. People traveling today, they want to immerse themselves into the local culture. They want yeah. to immerse themselves into what makes Annapolis special. What What are the restaurants that the Annapolis – I mean, I get that all the time. People say, hey, where do the locals go? right. And I'd say if I told you, I'd have to kill you. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, they like to get off the beaten path, and we're at McNasby's at the Annapolis Maritime Museum. We acknowledge we're off the beaten path, Um, but you're not far from the path. No, we're not far from the path. Um, But you know, we don't get walkbys for the most part. You know, you have to come here as a destination. Mm -hmm. But I do find that the heritage tours, as you know, they're often referred to, is is so much more discerning, as you described. You know, they really want to get into the local and the local stories and that and, and that narrative um, versus those sort of generic um, overall. Why are oysters important? Why is it important that we right. have more of them? What what does clean water mean? And, mm-hmm. and uh, there are other opportunities to do this. I mean, you can learn a little bit about this at the Chesapeake Bay Trust or the Chesapeake Bay Foundation and whatnot, which are all great organizations as well. But uh, what we've got here is a lot of hands-on. And we have a lot of story. Um, I think, you know, uh, my curator at the museum explained to me that the difference between history and heritage is history is facts and heritage is culture and the sort of the story. So we're, our focus is more, we, we have um, facts interspersed. We have a lot of the story of the watermen going out, you know, in the cold winter months back in the day and to- the hand honging and those sorts of things that kind of bring the history to life. You'd mentioned you've got a lot of the oral history. Is that all part of the oral history? And I know you guys have expanded an awful lot as you've moved into the twenty. What are we in the twenty first century? I'm getting yeah. getting confused. Yeah. But I always get confused um, with this is not just a, a, a come in and and look at the look at the oyster shells museum. You've got you've really moved into the technology end of this, and you're archiving 
different things as well. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up because it is sort of behind the scenes, but we also feel it's our responsibility to capture these stories. And just when you were at prompting me to ask about McNasby's, I mean, I started to pick up the phone and call a few people that I knew had worked there, had told me that they had worked here over the years in different capacities. Again, some shucking oysters, some working at the co-op, and some working at the restaurant. Just so you know, we do have great new exhibits on the horizon that will actually put a visitor in a virtual boat, which they'll either be on a Wednesday night race, they could be cruising through Back Creek on a kayak, or they may be on our skipjack, Wilma Lee, you know, dredging oysters. So the technology is important to keep this, keep us innovative and interesting, but also to tell those stories in a different perspective. And that's part of the expansion as to where you've how you've come from, we'll say, the uh, pre-Isabel days and the post-Isabel days. You've been the executive director here for how many years now? So it's six and a half. Six and a half. Yes. And I remember last year, which would have been 2018, that I think it was 2018. It may have been yeah. early 2019 when you did acquire the Wilma Lee, which you just mentioned, which is one of the few remaining skipjacks that are out on the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. At one point, there was an, a fleet of 800, and they're down to 22. And where is she now? She is over in at Severn Marine in Tillman Island. Um, she's a wooden boat, and she needed a lot of work. Uh, we knew this when we acquired her. Her, her former owners, you know, I, I don't mean to disparage them, but they di- they didn't keep up with the work she needed. A wooden boat is intense. Um, it's we a pain see in it, a bridge. It is, and, and most that's why they don't make them anymore. <laughs> but w- as a maritime museum, we feel that it's our responsibility to preserve her, and so she's getting work done, and we expect her late this summer back here. So, and how how is she going to be? How are you going to use her? We're going to use her in a myriad of ways. First of all, this is the only skipjack you'll be able to board in Annapolis. Now, the Chesapeake Bay Foundation has one, but that's reserved for you know their members and their right. own classes. We're, we're, we'll use her, of course, for our education programs first and foremost. We want the kids to really experience that on the water, authentic experience. What was it like to oyster eighty years ago? They're going to know that when they get on this boat. Um, but there's also heritage tours that will. Do for we're describing what, what's the real local color. This is a great way for a visitor to experience Annapolis, um, but we'll also use it for private events. Um, you know, as a nonprofit and without with very little support from the government, we do look for ways to generate revenue so sure. we can keep the lights on, and pay the insurance bills. So we'll use it for private events as well. As you talk about the experience and what it's like to be on there, and I've done a couple times, and you guys are involved with it, but the Thomas Point Lighthouse Show, yeah. and I just recently spoke with John Potvin uh, out there yeah. and, and the restoration that goes there, and to be able to go out into the lighthouse, to be able to go out onto the Wilma Lee, brings a whole different experience in buzzing by it or looking at it or just even boarding the sh- the boat to see what it's like uh, to immerse yourself into it and to see exactly this is how somebody that was sailing on it sailed. This is what it was like. Yeah, there's no substitute for that, really, you know, to be right there in it. So. It's not. And, I, and I've told, you know, people with the Thomas Point Shoal, I said, they see the price, and I and I don't know what the price is. I think it's like 70 or $80 or yeah. something like that. And they go, <gasps> and I'm like, you know, what price are you going to put on a literally a once-in-a-lifetime experience that you're not going to get anywhere else? I mean, you can go see... You know, Screwpile Lighthouse and at Down of Solomons, or you can go see it over on the Eastern Shore. But when are you going to be able to see it in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, being able to climb up onto it, into go into the lighthouse or the light room where the beacon is 
to be able to see how the Coast Guardsmen and the lightkeepers lived for years and years. And you really get that sense of it when you're there. I want to explain that price is, you know, the the Lighthouse Society, and it's a partnership between us and the city of Annapolis. uh, But the price is based on the boat ride because you need a certain boat that will take you out there. And they're really not making any money on this. Trust me, it's it's very marginal, but they need a certain kind of boat that can be out there in the chop. Mm-hmm. And be stable enough that guests can get bored and on board. So anyway, they they try to explain it because we've talked about the price resistance that they get for that. I, personally, I don't think the price is offensive when you sit there and and and, really? and I've never met anybody that comes back from it saying, "Oh, you know, I got ripped off." No, no, I mean, I, I, it's quite the contrary. They're always like, "That was amazing," and you know, really it was. And 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 you're right on the boat. I mean, you're out there in the chop and all. I say all sorts of weather. I mean, they don't go yeah. in crazy weather, but yeah. it is in the middle of the bay, and yeah. it is you know you've got to have a large enough boat to be able to tie up there to safely get people off of the boat, right, onto the lighthouse, right. With these. Um, so it, well, if we could it, figure out another way to transport people, then we you know there might be some cost savings, but. So you guys are working on the helicopter then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot air balloons. But you, and as you move as you move forward, I mean, you guys have expanded a little bit. You've yeah, uh, you finagled your way into a campus on the other side of Back Creek. Yes, and that is in the Ellen O. Moyer Nature Park, and it is the park part of the museum. Yes, it is the you, park part. We're really enjoying that campus and have been using it. Um, Primarily for education programs, but have scheduled some special events out there as well. And again, looking to sort of make it a everything that you've got a destination. I mean, you mentioned that the McNasby property is is a bit of a destination. I think the Edgewood Road property is as well. I know that Capital SUP has struck an agreement with you guys to operate out of there. Yeah. Perfect opportunity in a in a different sense. I mean, it's not too historical, right? But to be able to get on the water. Well, that's important to us. You know, we really feel that it's quite different to, you know, be by the water versus on the water. So we, you know, that we felt there was a huge overlap in our mission with Capital Sup, who's um, really great about getting all, you know, kids, even dogs on the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the yoga and everything else. Yeah. I, have you, have you supped yet? I've tried. I'm just not the most coordinated person. I think I need a lesson. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, you know, I, I have not done it yet, and that's my that's my main concern. That's why I haven't been on a Segway either. Okay. They say, "Oh, you." I know. I don't trust myself. They say you can't crash those. I said, "You've never seen me." <laughs> there, there's a guarantee. But what's what's going on with the big building that's down there? Now there's a sort of an industrial looking three story. Maybe it might even be big brick building that's down there. It's a pump house, maybe. Was yeah, it? it was a pump house, um, circa 1934. Um, very beautiful facade, really. But inside, it's concrete. Um, but we. We've done an amazing job uh, converting those garage bays into classrooms. Second floor is now our education offices. We really have to have you out there. It's been an amazing transformation. But we actually found a secret tunnel there about a month ago. So it was it had all these secret tunnels that went, and we were renovating the bathrooms, and our hand went through through the Ooh. wall, and it was a tunnel to some tanks. So, yeah, it's been really an interesting project to uh, to transform. But, um, yeah, so it's it's really wonderful for, even though we're about outdoor education, there are times where we have to convene and create a, uh, a lab and show them things that are happening indoors as well. Again, as you mentioned earlier, that you never rest on your laurels as far as events and this yeah. building being used. You, I don't want to say you lease it out, but you loan your property to the folks that put on East Porter Rockin' right. uh, every year. And they, while it's not using 
the building itself, it is sort of envelops and surrounds it. It's uh, Well, we're pleased because it's generally a, a younger crowd, too, that comes to East Puerto Rockin, and, and they're not really um, curious about maritime history yet. So for it gets that gets gets us on the map. You know, oh, I've oh. been to it for the East Puerto Rockin, even though the museum itself is not open. Uh, right. But the point is, it really, we, we like the um, exposure that that event gives us, and we're happy to be a neighbor With, in the community. Without a doubt. And then, of course, you've got the Thursday night tides and tunes, which is in the summer, and that goes from I would say Memorial Day to Labor Day. Is that well? It's, so it's June to August, mid-August, okay. and then we start up again over at the Park Campus with September Sunsets, which is another concert series. Okay, and you guys were sneaky about that and did it over there, so people would come see you over there too. We, we really would love to get that more established as a wonderful place for the community to gather just like McNasby's has become because it's a lovely park. It was so underutilized. When we got there, it was full of syringes and beer bottles. That's all gone now. And You guys it, had goats clear your property, didn't you? Yes, we did. <laughs> we had the goats clear the brush and then we got some man-made help too. But yeah, we've cleaned it up a lot and it's really quite charming over there. Well, what's the future? What, what, what do you've got on the on the horizon or can you tell us or? yeah well we've got we've got a lot of uh conceptual plans that we're working on really defining but number one obviously is we'd like to get wilma lee back and operating um but we also have new exhibits on the horizon um that will take place you know, hopefully sometime in 2020 where really that will be a, a more innovative way to tell the same stories that we're telling but just in um a different sort of uh, environment completely. So we're very excited about that. As far as the park is concerned, we really want to develop that as a destination, as you described. So there might be, we might see a, a maritime-themed playground. We might see a deep water dock for Wilma Lee. We would prefer to keep her a little further down the creek because it's more protected. Sure. Um, we are looking at really developing some pocket parks in there, some fun experiences that you know you might encounter. encounter but our, our goal is not to make it a nature park. It's a maritime park. In fact, Charles Marina just offered to give us a big old winch from their marine railway, which is an okay, artifact, yeah. okay? Anybody else might think it's a piece of right. m- m- crazy metal, but we say, no, that's an artifact, and that's a story, and marine railways have gone by the our thing Where's of the past, it? and marine railways were how they used to launch boats, boats in and out of the water. Right, it used, it used, to, be tra- it. used to be yeah. ra- tracks that just would go right into the creek. Right into the creek, and they had one that functioned at Sarles up until, you know, they started their construction, so... Yeah, so that's, are, that's right. That was uh, Capital SUP used to be there, and I yes, kind of yes, I kind of yes. remember seeing the the rails in the in the concrete that were going down into there. And now that I, now that you mentioned it, I do remember that. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the future certainly looks great for Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park. Yes. Yes. Um, and we want to expand all our programs and all our events. I mean, some of our events are at the ceiling, but <laughs> that's a good problem to have. Well, I would suggest to go explore their website, certainly, as a first. If you don't, not coming right down to the front door just yet, but you should. But go explore the website. It's uh, amaritime.org. Correct. Thank you. Did I get that right on the first yes, shot? Yes, you did. You did. <laughs> um, and, you know, look at the look at the interactive stuff they've got. Your oral histories, your um, – and yeah. I'm trying to remember what the terminology you used for the 
the history. So, well, oral history is correct, and you started asking about that, and I got um, sidetracked. But the port, we have a portal on our website that will um, on, where you can tap into some of the interview interviews. Uh, we don't have all the permissions. We inherited a lot of these interviews for by, from a gentleman by the name of Mike Myron. I don't know if you remember Mike, the but mayor of Eastport, mayor of Eastport, and he had an keen ability to pick just the right people whether it was you know the the most famous local crab crabber in town or you know a trumpy or you know just just a wide variety of of we don't have permissions from all these, but when we do, we'll get them online. So you can just listen. But we're, we also have photographs and other archival material on there if you wanted to just find out about. It's it's, it's a fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's an internet brain suck. I mean, it'll yeah. it'll you you'll get in lo- you'll get yeah. lost in there, yeah. and you'll come out three hours later much much richer and much more knowledgeable than you were. You can also check out all the different events that you've got. And some of them are private and some of them are public. Right. Uh, The Tides and Tunes. I mean, you can listen to music every week at the Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park from June through end of September. Yes. Yes. um, Between the two campuses. Yeah. And and just as a note, I know that it's like not really – core mission to have concerts but we love the fact that we can gather community and this is something museums need to do they need to be a gathering place not just artifacts under glass so well you you're an integral part of the community right uh where you are i mean you you host the events you've got the east port of rock and whatnot and and quite honestly the tides and tunes where you're sitting down there watching the band and the the kids and the dogs are splashing in the my uh, favorite thing yeah you know in in into back creek right there you've got boats that are coming up that are tied up and they're just having a good time and it is really all about the maritime i mean and, yeah. and certainly yeah. if you look at some of the songs from the eastport oyster boys in yeah. particular and some of the shanties that come around from the chesapeake bay uh, music has been an integral part of the bay and the bay heritage that we've had for years and years and i, I don't think that's a very very far stretch there okay um, you do you. you do also host the uh the renowned oyster roast and sock burning which expanded from just a sock burning to an oyster roast and sock burning usually led by the governor to burn his socks yeah and, he, uh, he's done it for the last five years he's been our inaugural sock burner so we're thrilled he loves the event <laughs> <laughs> which 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 as as does everybody i mean that's uh, a, a quirky little tradition that yeah. started uh, I think it was a little bit of an argument whether it started in Eastport way back when or maybe it was in some other town but yeah. uh, it's yeah. certainly one that has brought on a life of its own here yeah. Yeah. in Eastport um, We do summer camps and I think it's, what's great about it, it's a real quintessential Annapolis experience like the kids crab and they build forts. And, and, and well they're in the kayaks and, yeah, and, 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 the kayaks. and again, on, again on the water. Right, right and it's just a real adventure and one thing that I appreciate that you do as a parent, actually my kids are all grown now at this point, but that you do offer the, the discounted camp fees early on. Yeah. And I know there are some scholarships available. Yes. And that's the thing that really kind of uh, blows my mind in that we are a very small town. I think we're, what, five miles, five square miles or something like that. And there is a good portion of our young population that has yet to see Annapolis Harbor. And that blows my mind. And when you can see the smiles of kids that don't know the whole different lifestyle that sits here on the shores of Back Creek uh, or beyond onto the Chesapeake Bay or down into the harbor and to discover that, the you know, the, the crabs, the oysters, the, the bass. They call them rockfish here, but, you know, it's, um, it's well, pretty it, amazing. It, it is. In fact, my education director and I were meeting right before you got here, and she said, Alice, you've, you know, I've been badgering Mead School for their 
post results because we do pre and post tests just to see if they retained anything. And the teacher got back to her and she goes, I apologize, we're still working on this, but let me just tell you, regardless of what the test scores say, this was life-changing for my kids. It was monumental. They have never had an experience like that. I mean, it, it made me want to cry what she said, how transformative it was. These are kids. Meat is not near the water. You know, it, right. and so they got down here and they were pulling up the oyster cages and going on the Harbor Queen, which is what we use as right. our vehicle, but they love it. Who they, doesn't love the yeah, Harbor yeah, Queen? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, the Watermark's but, a great partner for us, to be fair. Yeah. They really are. And then the summer camps, I think, are really a, a real Annapolis experience. Do get down to see McNasby's or the Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park at it's something 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 Second Street, but it's seven twenty three. Okay, so but Second Street and Back Creek. Go down Second Street till you can't go anymore. Then back up, find a place to park, and go into the big white building that'll be on your left. The interior exhibits are fantastic. If you're ever looking to do an event, take a take a look around. It's a fantastic place for an event, whether it be outside on the dock deck dock deck dock, or inside in the um, the sheltered room. I don't know whether you're doing events over at the park. We are now. Yeah. We actually have a very nice tent up, and we've done a couple smaller events there, but we can handle larger, and it's a gorgeous setting. really is. Lovely. Um, and that one actually has some pretty decent parking nearby. Yes. We have um, adjacent parking, and it's also very affordable because yeah. we're just getting it established. That's right. So strike while the iron is hot. Right. Alice Estrada from the Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park. Uh, thanks for the insight onto where you were, where you are, and where you're going. We look forward to the next uh, however many years we're here. Okay. Well, thank you, John. It's always a pleasure and easy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this special podcast for I Am Annapolis. Please be sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play.